Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey, everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm with Melissa Bates, and we're going across the pond today to Australia to talk about digital use with our kids, digital detox, all these different things. And Melissa Bates is such an expert on this because the rest of us are, (laughs) well, you are now, the rest of us are struggling with not only our kids' usage, but our own usage. I have to be honest, Melissa, when you take my phone away, unless I'm exhausted and falling asleep, I'm like a rabid dog. Yep, I totally hear you. I felt the exact same way 12 months ago when this all all started, um, when we made this commitment to try more of a screen-free lifestyle. Um, I was anxious when my phone wasn't near me and wasn't on. So I totally hear you. Yep, that's such a common problem now. People feel that need to be constantly connected and people don't see a way out of it. But luckily, we, we found that that way. It was a challenge, but we did it. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, like these are, I'm going to give you my excuses Um, (laughs) (laughs) because that's what they sound like to me. Um, Well, okay. I'm a single mom and my kids go different places and they are in sports and they're very active. They're 13 and 16. So Mm -hmm. I can go on Snapchat and track them. Uh-huh. You know, I know where they are all the time and I can go on social media and see when the bus is coming in so I can fly up to the high school and pick them up. Like sometimes I'm actually pacing the bus going up the hill Yeah, and you know, they go to their dads. I want to talk to them and boy, there's my excuses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's one of the problems I think with parents, because there's a lot of, um, a lot of guilty feelings there. And even if you suspect that, um, you're possibly, you know, your children has an addiction or that you have an addiction and that you want to make changes, you kind of have to admit to yourself that you've got that, you have a problem as well. And it's not, they're not easy feelings. Um, and that's why I think, and, and sometimes when I talk to parents about this sort of stuff, they immediately get defensive because yeah. um, the thought that you have, um, I mean, unknowingly given something to your child and, and are doing something yourself that um, is, is causing behavioural problems in your child and now some of the research is showing is actually causing um, changes to children's brains as they're growing in their frontal lobe. Um, That's a really uncomfortable feeling. Um, And so I think that's part of the problem with getting people to change their mindset um, about about screens that, um, you know, you don't want to hear that you've done something to your child, that you've given your child access to something that, is potentially causing them problems, not just now, you know, and some of that research is also coming out that, you know, 
there's a long-term effect to, to overuse of screens and um, overstimulation for children's brains. And my, my kids are a little bit younger than yours. Um, so they're um, almost nine and almost six. Um, so um, I, I think I feel very grateful that we were able to stumble across this earlier. Um, I think it would be more difficult if my children were a little bit older. Um, but it's not, I wouldn't say impossible. You know, I've read of stories of people who have made those changes and, and they've ended up being positive changes. But it's also that constant need to know where, where your children are all the time. We didn't have that, you know, no. however long ago. Because we just had <laughs> and, to be home before dark. Like, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and parents say, well, that's safer. But, you know, the reality is, is that this is a very safe time. You know, I think because of the media we have this heightened fear and heightened, heightened awareness of, oh, my God, I need to know where my child is or something bad is going to happen. Right. Well, sure, um, that sells newspapers. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's not true. It's not real. You know, this, this, it's, these the crime rates and um, now in terms of, you know, things that happen to children, they're very low. You hear about the big stories, but they're much lower than they used to be. But our anxiety levels are through the roof. And I think screens um, are part of that problem. Um, well, yeah, because you can't, you can't escape them. Like, here's my pet peeve. Like, I will tell you, I knew there was something wrong with me and the digital device ages 10 years ago when I used to commute from, I had an hour and a half commute with two kids in the car. I used to call it the Screaming Baby Express. I would get in my car. We would go yeah. down the LA freeway. I would drop them off at, you know, daycare and then pick them up, you know, a couple hours later after I do my work. And I did a lot of my work telecommuting in the car and the kids hated they called it that black thing it was my blackberry they hated it and sometimes they'd kick it they would hide it you know so I knew there was something but as a single mom I rationalized look I got to make a living yeah. um, but since then even when I shut off my phones and the kids actually are pretty reasonable about shutting phones off and we'll play a game or we go out in the pool. I mean, I'm real physical. So we go to the gym and you know, there's things, but now there's screens everywhere. You can't even pump gas without getting some sort of message or stand in the line at the grocery store and something's blaring some message at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, and even at school, you know, use at schools and it, it, uh, it's ingrained in our lifestyles now. But I think for me, that was even, and going forward, that's even more of a reason for us at home to be low screen or no screen because mm -hmm. they get enough stimulation from those screens and from those messages at school. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it depends where you are, I suppose. But, um, you know, I, I feel like because we are mostly screen free at home, um, they don't seem to have those those really overstimulating effects from what they're exposed to in their environment day to day. So, um, you know, it was important for us during the screen fast. So we did a, a four to six week, I think it, it was ended up being six week period where we had absolutely um, uh, no screens at all. I think we watched two movies, mm -hmm. um, really low stimulation Disney yeah. movies um, during that time period. So during that time period, I was really, you know, I, because I had a child that was really overstimulated, mm -hmm. it was really important for me, even with play dates, to make sure that what he, and when with grandparents picking up those sorts of things that we had yeah. very little screens. But going forward, because we're so low screen at home, um, they don't seem to have those um, overstimulating effects mm -hmm. from um, what they're exposed to at school. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I don't know about the schools over there. Over here, my kids go to a STEM school, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And okay. they have since they were elementary school age. The kids are on Chromebooks in the first grade. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. 
granted, they're not watching, you know, crazy videos and not, you know, but they're learning programming, they're learning things. Mm. Um, and I have mixed feelings about it because all of our homework now, I don't know how it is for you, all of our high school work is in Google Classroom. Mm. And yep. our eighth grade, which I can, you know, say is pretty typical of a good school district, you know, where the kids have money, you know, everybody has a computer, everybody. So these good school districts, but every Google classroom is that they go to get their homework. There's very paper free. They type their papers and turn them in. They fill out their homework. Um, we use photo math mm -hmm. and all of the classroom lectures are recorded and put on Google classroom. So if the kid is sick or traveling or whatever, so yeah. how do you go screen free in an environment like that? Like, are you talking all screens or are you talking like, like, I'm just curious, how do you do yeah. that? Yeah. So, um, I, I think it depends on your child and at what stage you are at. So we were at a stage with our son, Mitchell, um, where we were having behavioral problems that were increasing and addiction levels, well, not addiction levels, but addiction behavior that was increasing. Now, does um, it, what does that look like? Is that inability to sit still? Is it breaking things? Is it you know, we know, naughty a, behavior? Yeah, sure. We went to a psychologist um, and we had a preliminary sort of early diagnosis of mild ADHD. Right. Um, but it didn't fit in with ADHD. He wasn't having trouble paying attention or he wasn't falling behind at school. So it didn't really fit the mold for us. And the interventions that were suggested to us weren't working. Okay. Um, and that's when we stumbled across the, the book um, and um, read the book um, and thought, well, this is worth trying. It's free. Um, it's, it's not going to you know, cost what anything. What was that book? Uh, I'll show it to you. I've got it here. <laughs> I'm prepared. So it's Reset Your Child's Brain. So it's it's by a, a psychiatrist in the US, um, Victoria L. Dunkley, MD. Um, and she's written a book about um, what she calls electronic screen syndrome. Um, and what she says about it is that there's a lot of kids now being diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and there's a lot of kids with um, bipolar disorder and autism spectrum disorder. And having... Um, a society saturated in screens, having these kids exposed to screens all of the time is making them worse. Um, sure. Now we, yeah, it's really interesting. So um, that's... I mean, intuitively as a mother, doesn't that just make sense? Like, yeah. you know, in, you know, like looking at your kids, I have boys, you know, I don't know if you have boys or girls, but... Uh, one of each, yeah. <laughs> I can look at them and if they've played, I can always tell when they've, you know, because as a single mom, I can't monitor them all the time, but I yeah. can tell you just by the dinner conversation what they did afternoon. If they played like GTA 5 or, you know, yeah. doing stuff like that, they're horsing around, wrestling, you know, fighting, yeah. angry, all these yeah. things. If they did yeah. homework that afternoon, um, different kids. And that's because when they're, when they're playing those games um, or when they're exposed to those screens and whether it's YouTube, even watching people play games on YouTube, sure. they're using their, their brain is stressed and they're using the um, flight or fight part of their brain. And when you take that screen away, they're still in that heightened state. So, um, you know, Mitchell was, um, he had trouble making eye contact because he would feel threatened. Um, yep. He would hit and punch me if I asked him to take the device away. Sure. Um, he was losing interest in other things. All he was interested in was watching Netflix and, you know, playing his honest DS. And we were restricting his screen time. He didn't have unended access to screens. Right. But he was extremely sensitive to it. And I suspect a lot of children are in that same boat. And 
being diagnosed and treated for things. And there's this really simple, easy, free intervention that you can try. And it does seem really daunting, <laughs> but it's changed our lives for the better. Um, you know, I can't imagine. It's been 12 months now. I looked up the date the other day. So it's been 12 months since we decided to go screen free. And our, our, our whole family's lives have been turned around. And, you know, and it's, it's our family, but it's also in a circle that they've seen the changes in our kids. And it's slowly sort of people like, wow, you can do that? I had no idea that you could just not watch TV at home. <laughs> and there's, like, you know, there's so many additional things that I've seen with my kids. Thankfully, we've had to go like video game free for both of them because their homework loads are so high. Mm. You know, they, they can't get their stuff done without, you know, there's just no more time. And then I have them stuck in athletics after school. Like there isn't room, you know what I mean? Like as a single mom, I'm not, I'm not letting them sit home and, and play these things. You know, in the summers, though, I do have additional behavior problems. But I can tell you, um, one of the therapists that I work with um, as a client, he is a physical therapist. I work on his website. And he was telling me he has kids coming in now with shortened tendons in their hands because of the digital device use, whether it's, you know, on their phone or on some of these handheld games. I mean, that's insane. It is. And, and I, you know, permanent eye problems as well from focusing on something, you know, so close to your face. I mean, we're not talking about short term, you know, annoyances here. We're talking about serious long-term life-changing effects well, neck and, and head injuries you know the, exactly. the, yeah. the yeah. you know i can tell because i'm a i'm a, a cyclist instructor like an indoor cyclist at the oh, gym cool. and yeah. i can always tell and i'm 50 so i'm not young but i'm in there with girls half my age that take my class and they are so hunched over mm-hmm. even before they get on the bikes like you know we're, we're yeah. hunched over to hold yeah. the handles but yeah. they're they're from that i can see their back their neck the curvature of their spine is yeah. all leaned over because of yeah. phone and device use yeah and you can see how how multifaceted this is it's not just it's not just the effects on posture, it's the effects on the eyes, it's the effects on the brain, it's the effects on even their hormone levels, you know, from sitting all of the time and not oh, being sure. physically active. So it's, um, yeah, there's lots and lots of ways that screens are bad for us and well, really no, um, no, no real researched positive ways that they're good for us. I mean, well, they connect us socially, I suppose, but well, there's I not... Think there's, you know, there are some benefits. Like I look at, you know, like... Like some of the social media, it's nice. I can see my family around the yeah, world, you know, totally. yeah. and you can, you know, there's some positives, but the one thing that I, um, I also think about, and I'd love you to weigh in on this mm-hmm. is one of the things I was an athlete. Okay. I was a, a, you know, college athlete. I was an undergrad athlete. I was an athlete in high school. And one of the things that our coaches had us do was to positively visualize the meet, the match, whatever we were going to do. Mm-hmm. So we would spend a lot of time in this imaginary arena. And I know like Tiger Woods does it, you know, all this visualization. Yeah. What does it do to our kids if they are constantly visualizing it, you know, whether it's shooting, killing, or if it's, you know, some bouncing alien ball, like I get the shooting, killing thing. I get that. Like it does yeah. show hyperaggressive tendencies in my kids yeah. when they, they play too much. And yeah. it does die down when they're not playing. But mm. these other things, like the fantasy role play games, things like that, like what does that do for us long term? Because physiologically, our bodies don't know the difference whether we're pretending in our brain or 
having an actual reality. So does that mean we're raising a generation of kids with post-traumatic stress from war video games? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you look at the anxiety levels, um, you know, anxiety in teens and um, teen suicide rates and teen depression rates. And you see, you see the, the levels that are just skyrocketing. Um, and you have to wonder, you know, is it because we've created this situation where our kids are, um, are being exposed to these, yeah, being, being exposed to these uh, fantasy worlds um, and, you know, yeah, sure, they're being social in the game and they're, you know, connecting with people on social media. Building, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. But um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge problem, you know. Um, I, and we, I think we can see it now, you know, our depression levels are, are increasing you know the, the problems that we have with teens in drug use and um, youth drug use is, is declining but we're all we're having all of these lifting up of depression levels anxiety levels and teen suicide so you know we're sort of like we're solving one problem right. <laughs> but we've created a whole heap of other problems with it and um, I feel like long term that those problems are actually going to be more um, more uh, more of a problem long term than, than maybe some of the things that we've dealt with in the past because it's so ingrained and because we haven't really viewed it as a problem up until fairly recently. We, we haven't really realised what some of, these, um, some of these negative effects are. Yeah. Well, I think too, like, you know, for me, I'm, I'll be honest, I have, I'm on the spectrum. So I have certain, you know, quirks and, you know, things and I, but I also have a very addictive personality and I will start playing Candy Crush and I will not stop. Even though I have to get up for work the next morning, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm at level 900. I'm trying to figure out the algorithm, trying to break these things. Yeah. And I can justify that behavior all you want, but it is no different than someone craving sugar, craving alcohol. Cause I've talked to my friends who yeah. have different addictive personalities personalities and it you know and the when you look at like you know like like the like the neuropsychology of the brain and then you look at the construction of these video games they are all about sensory reward we've got fireworks we've got bells going off we've got all these things that create like that reward system that's right like a yes. dog pushing a bell to get a treat that's right. And these, you know, the tech companies or the people that develop these games and apps, they hire psychologists to make these games addictive. You know, it's whether it's a screen or alcohol or a methamphetamine or whatever it is, it's all stimulation and it's all, it can all be addictive. And while we might not see screen addiction as as big a problem as some of those other substances, um, I think what we're seeing now is that if we have kids who are addicted to screens, um, who are addicted to gaming and who spend long periods of time in front of really overstimulating devices, um, long-term in their adulthood, they're more likely to have those addictive problems with subs with more serious substances. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, my husband, he's funny. He says, will you get off your phone? You know, I'm not immune to staring at my phone. And well, looking that's, through social that's what I'm going to say is like, you know, yeah. Whether you jump from, you know, you know, your cell phone to cocaine is, you know, <laughs> you know we'll wait to see that. But, yeah. but yeah. here's the problem is the breakdown of the structure of the family. You know, you can mm. go into any restaurant and see 
the breakdown of communication between families. You see toddlers holding an iPad and a phone. And I have a friend who teaches um, kindergarten. And a couple of years ago, she called me up and she goes, you are not going to believe this. And I said, what? She had a four-year-old just turned five, come into her classroom, trying to use her finger on a book. And she's had to teach kids to use crayons because they're great with their digital finger pointing and swiping. You know, she was trying to swipe the book and she had to teach this little girl that you don't swipe the book, you turn the pages. You can't move things around on a book. And I'm like, you know, that sounds farcical, Mm. but watch some of these baby zombies and go get your nails done in LA and it looks like the human beings are all plugged in because their hand is forward, their phone's in front of them, they're getting their you know feet done, and they look like something out of a sci-fi movie because they're all charging to the screen. Yeah, and they're not thinking about alternatives to the screen. It's just the go-to, you know. Um, and I think that's what's what's been one of the really big benefits for our family is it's opened this whole new world of things that we can discover together. You know, it's not just about let's flick the telly on and watch a movie together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're listening to audiobooks, we're reading. My son is reading for hours a day. And that just didn't happen before. Um, sure. It wasn't... Why it, would you? Pardon? Why would you? You know, games yeah, and cool. television is more fun. It's more entertaining. It's more stimulating. He's getting the rewards from, his, from the stimulating devices. And, you know, he doesn't get that from the book. But once we went through our detox um, and once his brain had reset and his stimulation levels had come down... Um, you know, gradually and slowly, he started picking up more books, he started going outside more, he started, you know, being more interested in the world around him. And we started having conversations with each other. He's taken up guitar, he's, you know, he all of these things that I am certain we wouldn't be doing otherwise, you know, um, if we've not done this, gone through this process. Um, You know, it's, uh, it's changed, it's changed everything for him. Um, So, well, Thank it's God. changed it for all of you. Let's be real. It's like yeah, it changes exactly. when a family's a dynamic. It's an ecosystem. If one thing changes, everything else has to shift. So exactly. if you're managing behavioral issues, that's mm-hmm. going to shift your attention away from your other child. You know, there's all sorts of, of you know, shifts that go on when we, we not only become too digital or when we remove the digital from the environment. I know I've had, I have a pool and um, I live on a couple acres and I have parties for my kids for the birthday in the summer. And Mm -hmm. I have to literally, when they come in, I have a basket where they have to put their cell phones in. And I tell them, look, you know, it's a pool party. It's going to ruin your cell phone. But also my first party as uh, middle school the kids were all sitting in the picnic table in the shade. Now I have a pool, a hot tub, a volleyball <laughs> net, a play set. I'm on two acres flat. Like you could soccer balls, you could do anything. And yeah. all of these, you know, my zombie kids and their friends all went in the shade under the picnic table, huddled. I should have taken a yeah. picture on it. They were <laughs> texting each other, playing, sharing games at yeah. a pool party. But yeah. that's when I just lost it. I went out with a basket. I'm like, everybody put your phones in the basket. <laughs> Good on you. That's great. Then, yeah, but my mom yelled at me. She kept ringing the phone, ringing the phone. And then I picked it up and I said, what's going on? And she's like, I can't reach my son. And I'm like, he's in the pool. And she's like, why isn't he answering the phone? I'm like, I took it away. <laughs> and she's like, what if I need to reach him? I'm like, what is so wrong in your world that he can't go to a birthday party for two hours? He's yeah. 10. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think 
where we're going to have a whole um, host of, as the kids get, get a little bit older and get into high school, um, I'm sure that there's going to be situations where, you know, they're going to say, well, my friend has got a phone. Why don't I have a phone? Sure. Um, but it's for me, the, this process has taught me that it doesn't matter what other kids are doing, no. <laughs> um, that, you know, you do what's right for your family. And I think most parents have a gut feeling about this. Um, it's not a comfortable feeling. It's uncomfortable. Um, but most, I think most families and even kids have a gut feeling about, how it how screens are negatively impacting their sure. lives because they get um, headaches they get neck aches yeah. they, they don't know, sleep get behind properly. on their homework yep yeah they don't sleep properly from this this exposure to the light you know it's um i think most people have that feeling and i'm just saying to that you can do it it's possible you know we are a very um we were a very techie family we had lots yeah. of devices we had netflix we had you know lots of things and i think if we could do it um and have these positive outcomes um, I know that I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive partner. Um, and, you know, I think for some families, the problem is with, you know, they've got addiction issues themselves, you know, well, sure. um, you know or they have split households where the kids are exactly. moving between, yeah. you know, two households. But even then I will tell you, like, I got rid of our cable. I got rid of our direct TV. I got rid of everything. And what's great now is I'm the commander of the universe <laughs> because I control the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. So when so you control the Wi-Fi, because here is where digital is helpful, especially with older kids. I'm going to talk about the teen years because I've got, mm. you know, one teen driving and then, you know, one at the cusp of teen behaviors. And I'll tell you, it's like an addict and you want your phone, you will keep an A average. A phone's mm. a privilege. If you mm. want to use the car, you, you know, basically do what I tell you. Like I am the master of the universe because <laughs> I'm the mother. Like I know better, like kneel before yeah. Zod, you know? Yeah. Um, but it is the greatest currency to instill good behavior if you execute it properly, because mm -hmm. video games should be a reward, not mm -hmm. a birthright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I think it's one of those things where, if used in moderation, like you talked about your family behaviors, you can watch a movie on Netflix, yes. but you can also do 50 other things. Like it's not the only thing. And I think that's where you're really getting with this stuff. It's not that tech is bad or movies are bad, no. but the rate at which we consume them, because you watch these kids exactly. with their birthdays. I need this game. I need this game. I need the next game. I need the next game. The next game, the next game. And tell me game producing companies don't recognize this in kids. It's no. a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, they don't have a vested interest, you know. It's, it's not it's not in their interest for us to have to realize, you know, how addictive these games are. Sure. Um, you know, they make money. <laughs> they make money from these games. Um, you know, the more we play them, the more money they make. Um, so, sure. yeah, they, well, they don't care, really. No. You know, I don't think they care. Um, it's... Uh, but no, I, do, I can, I my kid and, you know, and, and I, and I, I really, um, and what you were saying about, you know, about using it as a reward. Um, I feel that's something we will be able to do down the track. Um, at the moment, even with very low levels, we've tried, we've experimented a little bit with little low levels of um, Minecraft or Roblox. When I say low levels, I mean like 20 yeah. or 30 minutes. If he has any more than that, 
it's a problem. Straight I was going to say, like, right. I mean, even when we, when my kids were smaller and we used to have a we because we were the we generation. Yeah. But we would play <laughs> we bowling as a family. We would play family Hasbro family night and we had sliders and a couple of the things, but we played it together as a game. But here's the thing is as soon as the kids started to fight, because it does ramp them up more than sitting down with a battleship. Like, you know, when you play the battleship on the Wii, like there's a big fireball, you know, it is really fun, but it also ramps everybody up. So again, it's, it's one of those things where they're not intrinsically bad, but you have to moderate your own behavior as a parent first. Yes, yes. And then determine what the threshold is for your kid. Because I'm sorry, some of these games, the threshold for me Mm. is five minutes. You know, Mm. some of these games, they're the ones you swipe really fast. And, you know, it's like the faster and faster and faster you go. And I try to get really fast. And the kids will watch me. And they're like, and I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop it. And they're like, mom, chill. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's really helpful about doing a fast. um, Because, um, if you're doing it fast, you get a baseline. You, you yes. get, okay, this is what my kid is like when they don't have stimulation from screens. And I okay. really like this. I like that. <laughs> I love too. this. This is awesome. Okay, so how much can I introduce a, a bit at a time and let's see where the tipping point is? And like, okay, there's my tipping point. That's how much we can have now. We'll try again in a couple months' time. Well, and that's only if... <laughs> like yeah. I'm going to put a big caveat in here that probably yeah. if we didn't have a long day at school if we yes. didn't have a big project last night if we didn't yes. have a good night's sleep like it's it's not just the duration because sometimes exactly. in the summer my kids could play an hour but not yeah. in the school year like mm. not during soccer season like you know right. you've got to know your kid and I think that's the big thing is you got to know your kid period. Exactly. Yeah. And I have one kid that has, um, you know, we have a daughter as well, who's turning six soon and she doesn't have the same overstimulating issues as my son, Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't have different rules for different kids. We have one role rule for the whole family. It's not fair otherwise, right. but, um, I mean, she has the benefits of being, uh, you know, mostly screen free as well. Um, but you know, she's a different kid and she has different tolerance levels. Um, she she didn't play five hours of video games. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this is, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, you know, exactly what you said, you need to assess your own situation. I think doing a fast is an awesome idea because then you really understand what your kid can be like when they don't have those screens. And if you've got a kid that's been using screens since they were, you know, since they were a toddler, you don't even know what that baseline is. You can have this amazing baseline of like, wow, look how he can concentrate on, um, reading a book or looking at a picture or drawing. He can concentrate for so much longer after this sure. fast. I really like that. Let's see where we can go with that. It's worth trying. It, it well, really and is. I would say like, especially um, I would do it on myself first. Yes. Yeah. Because here's the thing, like what you're talking about is also true for the parents. Exactly. Because yeah. I have a couple, I watch some kids after school cause I work from home. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be home. And a lot of times there's half days at school. So I bring these kids into my house and you know, yes, they all have phones, but I have the parents come pick up the kids sometimes and they do not look up from the screen to greet their child, to hug their child, to ask about that child's day. And you see the kids demeanor change from this wonderful little love bug that's been running around my house to be excited. I see their faces. They're excited to see mom or dad. Mom or dad hasn't looked up from the phone since they walked in to pick them up. And, you know, 
that's really sad for me to watch because I see both sides. Mm. And so I would encourage a lot of these parents to try it on yourself first, because what's the point of having an addicted parent do the detox for the family and then the parents, the monster. Yes, exactly. Like, because you were Zen and cool, probably doing this and you Mm -hmm. recognized it. So you kind of had this all set first, you spring it on your spouse or your kids. You know, we're looking at, you know, World War Three in some households. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think we, we did it all at the same time. So we, we decided, right, we're doing it with the kids um, so that it, we felt like we were doing it as a whole family. Um, but I agree with you there. You know, um, it's heartbreaking. It brings me to tears often to see, um, to see kids disappointed and sad because, um, you know, mum and dad, without realizing it, they're hurting their child. And, you know, they're not, they're not doing it on purpose. It's not, they're not doing it, you know, you're not doing it um, for any reason other than they have, they have are completely distracted all of the time. And I'm a much more present parent having gone through this process. Sure. Well, um, me too, because I, I, yeah. I remember my one younger son was in little T-ball, you know, like four or five, six years old. And, um, I was working on something, you know, I was, it was busy and he made a great play at third base. And after the game, he's like, mom, did you see my great play? And I'm like, oh yeah, I did. He goes, no, you didn't. He goes, I saw you. He goes, you were up in the stands looking at your phone and you know, he totally busted me and he was right, you know, and, but the next game I went and I looked at the stands at how many parents were present in body but they mm-hmm. were completely disconnected from everything going on around them. So it's like, it's almost better, don't you think, for those parents not even to be there? Because their kids yeah. are not dumb. They know what their parents yeah. are doing, whether they're paying attention or not. Exactly. Absolutely true. Yeah. And, and it's funny when you go through this, you, um, when you start to realize how, how, how much this happens. Like, you, yeah. I mean... Yeah, um, in every situation, whether we're at a children's sporting, even after after school pickup, you know, yep. seeing a parent sitting in the car waiting for their child on their it's phone, down. child yep. comes, opens the door, and they don't even they don't even acknowledge that their child's here. You know, how was your day? You know, what what would you, what did you get done today? Um, you know, that's it's it's really sad, actually. Well, yeah. yeah what what kind of message does it send to the kid that you know it's one thing for once in a while? Like I get it. I'm a working yeah. parent. I'm a single mom. Like sorry, there's times I have to handle work, but I'm usually pretty upfront, and I will say sorry, guys. I have to take this call, or sorry, guys. You know, but more often than not, you can say I need to call you back. you know even my clients if I say guys I'm you know clients like you know I'm with my kids may I call you back in you know 15 or 20 minutes they're always okay unless like their sites redirected to a porn site like we're good because that happens sometimes sites get hacked they get redirected and when they're redirected to really bad things especially if they're children's products you yep. drop everything. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah, that's prioritizing, isn't it? Yeah. Right. But know. we're not, most of us aren't brain surgeons. Most, no. maybe two times in my professional career uh, in web development, have we had those type of redirects and, mm-hmm. you know, they're pretty limited is my point. Exactly. Yeah. Most of, the, most of the time, I would say your parents are just looking at, at Instagram or, or, you know, scrolling through emails or looking through Facebook. It's, um, right. Or going to Hollywood life, seeing what the celebrities are doing. I mean, yeah. I mean we're yeah. all victim of it. We've all done it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, you know, I think, you know, 20 years ago, we were, it was something that we would read in magazines about celebrities or, you know, see on the nightly news. 
now we're just bombarded with it 24, you know, all of the time. We look right. at our phone and there, those messages are constant. So right. 24-7, easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 24-7. Yeah. Well, and what does that do to, you know, um, what does that do to us as parents also? Because, you know, when you look at, like, I will be the first one to say, I don't know if Pinterest is really popular over here. It's super popular over here. Mm-hmm. every time I go through Pinterest, I love looking at it. And then I look at the cake I made, you know, <laughs> I look at, you know, and they're just so ugly, you know, <laughs> like it used to be, everybody was like, Oh, Photoshopped bodies, Photoshopped bodies. Well now it's moved to like Christmas trees and cupcakes, you know, where yeah. they have all these works of art. And then I'm like, Oh my God, my mind just looked like a toddler made it. Yeah. Even birthday parties, you know, it's, everything's so perfect. You know, you've been to, I've been to birthday parties you know, for one-year-olds where, you know, everything is pristine and there's flowers and there's this amazing cake and there's, um, I think it doesn't care. <laughs> oh, can I tell you my birthday party story about my one-year-old? Go on. Yes, please. So, <laughs> I, I'm originally from a small town country girl. And so my one-year-old's birthday party for my first child was really simple. We had a little cake. It had a giraffe on it. The number one, you know, it was about maybe six inches round. You know, it was just, and that was it. And then my friend, who I won't name, but I absolutely love her, they had a pony, they had um, balloons, they had all these cake, you know, they had beautiful cake with her face, baby face. I mean, it was huge. It was probably like a $2,000 birthday party. Mm, Well, what I noticed during the birthday party was the party was blue and yellow. Well, my party was blue and yellow and all our joint friends were there. So I took all these pictures (laughs) and I put them in a photo album (laughs) and then I put my little cake there because I'm in all the pictures, the baby's in all the pictures, all our friends are in all the pictures. So my one-year-old's birthday party was a complete lie and a sham. It was something else to party because they were like a week apart. I was like, wow, my party sucks. Yours is great. I'm just going to use your pictures. Well, I think, you know, it's funny we talk about those parties and, you know, wanting everything to be perfect. It feeds back into, you know, Pinterest and social media and Facebook, all sure. those sorts of things. You know, I, I, and I've changed completely in the last 12 months from being a parent that felt like I needed everything to be perfect all of the time, completely in control, which was feeding into my, which was my screen addiction, you know, sure. where I was sitting, um, to now being like, you know what, my house is untidy and... The birthday cake, well, I've messed it up, but you'll love it anyway. Or, right. Do you know what I mean? Just, just bringing everything back to simple. Reality? The whole family baseline, you know, back to calm, you know, not all of the time. Don't well, get me wrong. Well, back to reality. Yeah, exactly. You know, like even when I logged on to do tonight's show, the first thing I saw was your nice clean house in the backdrop. And then I look and I've got all my, you know, I'm doing this from my studio. So I've got papers all over, you know, I've got you know, I've got work. I'm a real working mom who literally came from teaching a spin class. Mm. And then I'm like, Oh crap, look at her house. It's perfect. And then, so (laughs) tell everybody what you did. I picked up my laptop and I turned it on a different angle and I showed Sandra the entire huge mess on my dining table. Oh, and I like (laughs) fell in love with you at that moment. (laughs) including breakfast dishes from this morning because it's um yeah it's still the morning over here so no it's all you know it's, it's and I mean you know you want to present a best your best yourself sure. you know? I very rarely wear makeup but I'm wearing makeup this morning <laughs> um but you know it's uh 
yeah, it's it's my my house is a mess, but my kids are happier, calmer. They talk to me more. I talk to them more. So um, it's just yeah, it's prioritizing. It's figuring out what's really important, and you know, calm, um, relaxed open conversations with my kids, spending quality time with them, looking at them when I'm talking to them, being feeling proud of them, being interested in their day. Um, that is much, much more important than having a perfect house and much more, more important than what's on my Facebook feed. So. Well, right. And I, you know, I, I, I liken that to just our meeting today through a common friend for today's show. Yeah. Like if you had showed up, like you, you do look very nice with your makeup on, very pretty, neat and clean ivory girl. You have a nice white shirt on, you know, and you've got flowers in the background. So I'm like, wow. And then I was like, oh my God. So I actually felt a little bit intimidated because I'm like a train wreck coming from the gym. Oh, no. But then you show me your little mess and then I'm like, oh, well, I'm a mess too. We're just two moms doing the best we can. And all of a sudden, like, we will be friends. Like, exactly. we're yeah. friends because of the mess, not because of the perfect. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've got a shirt on, but I've got yoga pants and sneakers on. <laughs> <laughs> but look at that. I mean, you know, we do, you do, you try to put your best foot forward and you try to yeah. put your best friend on. You want to show respect to the other people too and things exactly. like that. Exactly. But at yeah. the end of the day, what creates fellowship, what creates relationships is the reality aspect of it. That's right. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's, um, yeah and it's so digital and screen is fantasy. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's not reality. Yeah. You're looking at someone's um, Facebook page and you see all these amazing photos of all the amazing things that they do. And oh the places that they go and they look amazing and they've got this filter and you, and you feel bad about yourself. You know, you think, God, why can't I be like that? But there you are seeing this tiny, you know, five or 10% window of their, of what they see as the best version of themselves. And the rest of that 90% is what you don't see, you know, and that's, what's real. So that's where those face-to-face, um, I mean, this is great. This is one of the amazing things about, about technology is that right. I can see you and I can talk to you and, you know, and that's fantastic. But those, uh, and those real face-to-face um, relationships and communication, that's what, that's what develops us as a whole person. And that's what, um, that's what um, is good for our soul and our spirit. I don't know whether you believe in soul and spirit, but, you know, that's, I think that's what, um, that's what makes us whole and, uh, you know, a lot of people are missing out on that because they're so focused on these tiny five, 10% windows that people Oh, I present. think it's even smaller than that because one of yeah. my favorite things to do is take my kids to movie night in the park. We have a big park and they play a movie. Everybody sits out on blankets, you know, it's Southern California. So the weather is always nice and always never fails. There's always a couple in front of me cause I'm single lugging my own stuff with my kids. There's a married couple in front of me and then I feel bad and then they start to fight. And then the kids are crying and the dad's like, come on, hurry up. And the, you know, the kid, the little one drops something. The mom's like, pick it up, pick it up. And then they take out their phone and they go, okay, everybody get over here for a picture. And then for that split second, they're like, cheese. And then they go back to fighting. And then by the end of the movie night, the parents aren't talking to each other. They're on other sides of the blanket. The kids are asleep and usually the dog throws up. I mean, that's like the real part of it. But all we see is that little snapshot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a Pilates instructor. So, um, I was funny. I, li- I was having this conversation through that mutual friend you were talking about before. Um, a few weeks ago we went to the snow and I did a Pilates pose in the snow. Um, and it looks fantastic. Oh, it's I a bet. really great photo, but it was a tiny, tiny split second because one second after that I was on my back with my legs <laughs> over my head. 
<laughs> you know, the snow was slippery. I couldn't hold that position. Sure. Luckily, I had a very experienced photographer for our husband who was able to capture that moment. But I posted it on my business Facebook page and everyone said, wow, that's wow. amazing. But <laughs> it's not real. You know, it's great. It gets engagement. It, it helps develop my business. But it's, it's not real. No. Well, it is real for a moment in time. Exactly. But yes. it's not your baseline. Like it's not like everybody can look like sometimes like when I do work and they put makeup on me and they curl my hair and they smooth everything. I look like a rockin' 25 year old. And then I show up in person and people are like, Oh my God, she's the crib keeper. I mean, but for that moment in time, I look like that. But yeah, I don't look exactly. like that every day when I wake up, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. That's the image that people hold in their minds and that's the falseness of it because it's really just a moment in time it's not it's not you every day yes exactly and that's what that um that scrolling instagram and facebook um and even though we you know i think a lot of people are aware of that and they know that but when you are looking when you are bombarding yourself with those images all of the time and those stories it's really hard to to break out of that cycle so um, yeah, well, it does. If you're in a bad mood, it just makes you worse. Exactly. That's, <laughs> That's right. You know, the best, the better thing to do would be to go for a walk. Right. <laughs> you no, know? or, you know, like go that. and uh, read a yeah, book. Go so work exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. But it's not, it's not what we do. We go back to our default, just like the kids. What that's that, you know, they want that thing that makes them feel, you know, good. Cause even, even though you feel, you know, it, it might affect your self-esteem, it's still stimulating and your brain still craves it and still wants it. So yeah, it's breaking that process of automatically looking at my screen, looking at, you know, what everybody else is doing instead of living your own life and living in the present. Well, yeah. sometimes, you know, if you're single and you're not watching your own stuff, you know, digital can help you track digital. I love the screen time report on my phone, the screen time report on my iPad. And then I have a Fitbit watch that tracks my sleep. And what I noticed was I tend to check my email before I go to bed. Why? I don't know. What's going on? I'm not, you know, a brain surgeon that needs to be flown into Vienna to operate on the Pope. You know, it's just ridiculous. But I got in this habit. And what I noticed by looking at my watch and my sleep time was that I'm not, I'm in bed at 10, but I'm not going to sleep sometimes till 11, 1130 at night. That's when my watch clocks me conking out. So I've really had to adjust something. So technology actually can help you if you use it to, to moderate. And sometimes like I'll binge watch Heartland, like on Netflix. And then I'll see like, you watched 14 hours of screen time on your iPad last week. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, <laughs> yes, you go, you go through those periods where you use it a lot and you start to recognize within yourself. Wow. I'm exhausted. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm tired. Crabby. Kids. What's going on? Oh, I spend however many hours looking at my screen yesterday. That's probably while I'm feeling, you know, yep. and then you can reset yourself. I put my phone to charge in a different room. No. So I don't have my phone. Um, next to my bed because otherwise I will get up and I'll get up in the middle of the night and oh, you'll it. hear it bing too like you'll yeah. hear something come in it'll buzz it'll bing you'll wake up yeah. I mean, we're like trained like dogs yeah well, exactly <laughs> I need to end the show today I'd love to have you back because I'm sure we have lots more to talk about how can people find out more about you and join your movement on Facebook so um, I have a, a Facebook uh, page it's called the screen free experiment um, and uh, so if you search for that on Facebook, you'll be able to find it. Um, 
We have a little community that just goes through my the story of what we went through for over the past 12 months. I don't post a lot in it because I try to limit my screen time. Right. But, uh, <laughs> right. a I that screen free ladies on all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's kind of a once or twice a week thing, but um, it just goes into a bit of detail about how we did it um, and uh, and the, the challenges that we faced and, you know, what some of the, some of the things that we overcome by going through this process. So, um, yeah, it's called the Screen Free Experiment. On, on okay, Facebook. I'm looking it up right now. I'm signing up for. I'm going to go check you out. Um, Mel, yeah. thank you so much for being my guest today. I had a super fun time. I really thank you for sharing your junk with me on the table. It made you real, and we can all fall in love with you because of that. And go out and check out the Screen Free Experiment on Facebook. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.